Today we continue the church season of Advent. It's the third Sunday, and it's a time of repentance, it's a time of preparation, and it's a time of expectation. At least historically it was. Uh, The church kind of changed things somewhere along the line in the last couple of hundred years to being about the birth, the first coming of Christ, instead of the second coming of Christ. The, the focus historically was on the second coming of Christ with a remembrance of the first coming because God promised to send Messiah and He sent Him. And that is the fulfillment of prophecy. And there are prophecies that foretell the second coming of Christ. And we who are alive right now on this planet can look forward to that and rejoice, remembering the past but focusing on the future. We endure waiting as we look forward to His return. And that's not always easy for us. In fact, one of the messages I said, who wants to wait for anything? Everything's instant now. It's right away. You get it right now. You know, you've got your, all that stuff I don't want to get into. But, you know, nobody wants to wait for anything. But we need to wait for the Messiah. And that means we need to be focusing our attention on the Word of God and what He says about the second coming. The Hebrews had anticipated the birth of Messiah for centuries, but sadly, as a group, they missed Him. And and those who missed Him are still waiting, still looking for the coming Messiah. We celebrate this holy season as a reminder of what we believe. We are anticipating, key word, anticipating the return of Christ. It's written in 2 Timothy chapter 3, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And it's written in Romans 15, 4, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning or our instruction that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. You see, if we want hope, we can turn to the Word of God and find what it is that we want. It's there, folks. Using the Scriptures, we seek to inspire all people everywhere to love God completely and to love others as themselves. That's that selfless approach. Now, today we're going to read from the third chapter of Luke, beginning at verse 7 and reading through verse 18. But before we go there, I I, I want to pray. I I need to pray. (sighs) Father, thank You for Your written Word. Your Word is true. Your Word alone of anything written on earth is the absolute truth. Though men have tried to taint it, Lord, Your Word remains true in its original documents. May we hear what you have for us today as we seek to find your truth. Please, God, I ask that you would remove all distractions. Each of us have reason to be distracted, things that are running around in our minds, Lord. We ask that you would just block those long enough to hear from your Word. Give unction to your speaker to say nothing more or less than what you want to be proclaimed it's in Christ's name that we pray and all of God's people said, amen. Page 1584, if you want to open the Bible that's in your seats there, page 1584, or I'm sure this young lady has it on the screen, 
We're beginning in the second column on page 1584. And then he said to the multitudes that came out to be baptized by him. We're speaking here, we're reading about John the Baptist. He was the one that was sent to prepare the way for the Messiah. And it's important because we hear John rebuking people. We hear John telling them to prepare for Christ who's coming. And this is why it's relevant in this time of what we call Advent. These people came out, multitudes came out to be baptized by Him. And what did He say? Brood of vipers! Who warned you to free from the ra- flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. There's an allusion there of hell. So the people asked him, saying, what shall we do then? He answered and said to them, he who has two tunics or two coats, let him give to him who has none. And he who has food, let him do likewise. We do that regularly here. Then tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than what is appointed for you. In other words, don't rip people off. Likewise, the soldiers asked him, saying, What shall we do? And he said to them, Do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely or, and be content with your wages. Now, as the people were in expectation, now do you hear the three elements there? Repentance, preparation, expectation. This is why this passage is relevant to the Advent season. Now, as the people were in expectation and all reasoned in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not, John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. And with many other exhortations he preached to the people. I ask that God would add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his word. Many of the messages that I bring here are full of scripture, more scripture than commentary. Today is not quite so full of Scripture. John preached the good news of Christ's coming. He preached to people in many different ways, and he urged them to change their way of living. We hear that when he says, don't do this anymore. Do this. And then I I have to, like... (laughs) I don't preach like John. He was confrontational. Brood of vipers. Imagine if I got up here and called you all a brood of vipers. Woo! Might not be able to volunteer here anymore. (laughs) Venomous snakes, you know, poisonous snakes, he's saying. Who warned you to flee the wrath that's coming? Where did he come off saying that? After all, they were only doing what they were taught. They were only doing what they had learned from the people before them. Maybe that's the point. 
They were infected by poison, and they were poisoning others with that same poison. Everybody was doing it, right? If you were a tax collector, you added your cut, man, the cut of the guy above you and him and whoever else, because they would graft a little for themselves. Today we call it a paycheck, but back then it was they had to pay themselves. If you were a soldier, you took whatever you wanted by intimidation and false accusations. I imagine that still goes on to this day. You had the power to do it, and everybody did it, so why not, right? But here's John the Baptist saying, repent, because living in that sin is not preparing for the one that we're expecting to return. The rich shunned the poor, and the poor suffered. I guess we still have that going on in the world today, too, don't we? But now, things have changed a lot. Thanks to social programs and stimulus checks and unemployment compensation, why everybody's taken care of, right? As we drive our economy into the depths of despair, I believe our Lord would say, repent. Stop doing that. We don't have soldiers occupying this land and extracting whatever they want, right? Well, at least not yet. We no longer have tax collectors robbing us regularly, right? Now, don't, 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 don't hurt me. I know it depends on your perspective, right? But things have really changed in the last 12 months, and nobody can deny that. We all need to be prepared for Christ's return. Whether or not He's coming tomorrow or today or this hour, whether or not He's coming this coming year, whether or not He's coming in our lifetimes. We need to be prepared. And the idea is that we come out of all those things that are not of God and we live for and unto Him. You know, the Hebrews were schooled at home, and they were taught from the earliest ages that they were the children, the offspring of Abraham. They knew their heritage. They knew the promises of God. They were taught them. God promised to send the Savior, the Messiah, the Anointed One. And they knew the difference between right and wrong, and I believe many are not teaching that anymore. We're teaching this relative concept that everything's relative. Well, it's right for you, but you know, it's wrong for me. Oh, but it's wrong for you, but it's right for me. And this is how religion and our faith as believers has been marginalized, because what's right for us is chosen to not be right for somebody else. And if we take the Word of God, we look at it, He says what is right, and He says what is wrong, and we either live by what He says or we don't, and if we don't, we need to repent. And this was the message of John the Baptist, who was preparing the way for the Messiah. That difference between right and wrong was unmistakable to the Hebrews at that time. But that didn't stop many of them from choosing wrong. If they hadn't chosen wrong, John's message would have been different. They devised new ways to get around that old law. But they knew they were supposed to be faithful to God, and still they missed His first coming. They missed it. 
I don't want to be among that group that misses, in other words, not prepared for Christ's return. Have you seen the movie where the kid visits Santa Claus in the department store to ask for a BB gun? I've shared this with other people in the congregation. Some of them are chuckling now because we talked about this. The throne of Santa God sits real high above everyone, and they send the kids up the steps to sit on Santa God's lap. And when this little kid, I think his name was Ralphie, goes up the steps and he sits on Santa's lap and he looks up at him and he freezes. What do you want for Christmas, kid? He sends him down the slide. Okay, you'll get whatever I give you. And he climbs back up. And he asks for that highly coveted BB gun. And Santa God tells him it's not going to happen because he might put his eye out. But then he pushes the kid down the slide with his boot. Puts his boot on the kid's head and pushes him down the slide. And the, the favorite part of the movie for me is whenever that character says, ho, ho, ho. I like that slow motion, ho, ho, ho. I've repeated it many times since I saw that movie. And and I'll tell you a secret. Well, I've got a secret I'm going to tell you a little later. I've never told most of you, I guess. But first, I want to examine that ho, ho, ho. Many of you probably know what that word means on the street, ho. It means, a, it represents a loose woman, one who dresses provocatively, doesn't need much to give away what is sacred in Scripture. She's got loose morals, maybe dinner, movie, a couple of drinks. Well, now I'm showing my age, I guess. In recent years, dinner and the movies taken sidestep to just a few drinks, and that's for the sophisticated ones. Many will do anything for just a couple of dollars, literally, and even in Butler City. If you're shocked, I have to tell you, it's true. Those drugs force people to do things that they wouldn't otherwise do. They sell themselves. And plenty of people work both sides of that fence. Everyone gets what they want any time of the year, even at Christmas time. And I know that's a downer. In so-called modern society, the sad part is, I know that sounded sad, but this is even worse. The sad part is that people have turned from teaching their children about God, and that God loves us, and that Christ is going to return. Instead, they teach your children about uh, the guy in the red suit. He loves them. He's going to come back. And the kids grow up disillusioned when they learn it's not true. They sadly pass this teaching on to their kids, and it furthers the idolatry. And we, as the body of Christ, need to stop anything that's idolatrous. And I'm not saying don't remember the birth of Christ. That's not what I'm saying. And anytime I question this, people say, well, Pastor, don't you believe in the... 
it's not about that. And I'm going to share some other things that are not going to feel good, but I've got to tell you because it's really important that we all understand as we prepare, as we repent from those things that are wrong in the eyes of God, as we prepare, and as we expect the coming of Christ. In our prosperous nation, grown-up kids can afford to deliver everything, right? There's nothing that a child would ask for that they wouldn't necessarily get, amongst the prosperous people anyway. And even the ones who grew up expecting the return of Christ do it. And that's the part that really troubles me. Where's the Messiah? Scripture says in the day is coming when people are going to ask, where's he at? He said he was coming back. Why isn't he here? He said he was coming back. Isn't he living in your heart? You have Christ in your heart, right? So how can he come back if he's already here? And those are the questions that I get as a pastor. I thought he was in your heart. How can he come back? And then I hear that slow motion, ho, ho, ho. Antichrist beliefs and sentiments have taken over what we know as Christmas. And I think it's time that we get back to proclaiming the first coming as the prelude to the second. He's coming back. He said he was. And the sad thing about the Antichrist beliefs and sentiments is that they've turned our nation's eyes and heart away from Almighty God. And we need to turn back. We need to repent, to prepare, to expect Christ's return. Many have prostituted themselves to serving other gods. The god of money, for example. This is what pushes commercialism at this time of the year. We've got to get more money. I remember as a retailer, my family had a little business, and I assisted with that business for a number of years, and this time of year was the time that would carry us through the rough times in the next year because everybody wanted to buy something. And I'm not against people giving gifts. Don't get me wrong. And I like to get gifts myself. Everybody does. But let's put it in perspective. What does God want? His Word tells us, no idolatry, have no other gods before me. That's what He says. But instead of accurately reciting the biblical accounts, some churches will bring the guy in a red suit and sit him in front of everybody, you know, and say, hey, have the kids come up and sit on his lap and ask him for something. We teach him to wait for him instead of Christ. And we teach children to desire and covet and demand that they receive. And I've seen it myself, and that's the part that really disturbs me. Now, I'm not saying the children in this congregation are that way, and I'm not saying the parents in this congregation are that way. Get me straight, folks, okay? But I have seen children demand, demand, I want this. I've seen it. And the parents, oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, What happened here? This is like a role reversal thing, you know, like, okay, that's not God's way. God's way is the parents raise the children in a godly manner. And this is why I pray this over our children, that we will raise the children in a godly manner. Whenever I try to talk about this subject, I have people tell me with various tones of voice, but this is Christmas. 
That's grinchy, Pastor. Don't you want to celebrate the birth of our Savior? They celebrated it back then. Are you heartless? Don't you believe it's better to give than receive? We're celebrating the Savior's birth, and then the spin goes on and on and on. And I'm saying, okay, let's remember His birth. Like the Scripture says, all Scripture is profitable for us. But let's not take it someplace that the Scripture doesn't take it. That's what I'm concerned about, people. Because the people, at the time of His first coming, they were not prepared for His coming because they were focused on all this other stuff. They weren't focused on His coming. And when He came, they missed it. And that concerns me greatly. We need to teach our children to give. We need to teach them not to desire and covet and demand. I refuse to bow down to other gods. I refuse. And that is not a popular thing anymore. Who do I think I am? Why is my God superior, right? My God's the creator of all that is, was, and ever shall be. He's the one that sent the Messiah, the anointed one. He's the one who anointed him to bring life into this world. He's the one who anointed him to bring the light of salvation to bear upon the darkness of this world. And that's what we need to remember. We need to remember what this is really about. And I hear people saying, let's keep Christ in Christmas. Do you know Christ wasn't in Christmas? There was no Christmas for the first 300 years of the church. And in this country, it was banned largely across the country until in the 1800s. It became this sentimental thing where we're remembering this little baby. We're forgetting about the King of Kings, the Messiah, the one who's coming to bring redemption to mankind. I'm criticized for preaching like this. I, I, I don't. I, nobody wants to be criticized. You know, when I was a teenager, I was preaching the Word of God in the streets, and I was criticized for that, and that didn't stop me. I'm not going to stop preaching the truth. I have to. I must. I, I, I'm required by God to do it. You know, the ones that are the strongest backers of the pagan gods and associated rituals and customs are the most educated. And it was that way then. The highly educated were the ones that were standing for everything but the Messiah of God. Now we got people buying cakes and singing happy birthday to Jesus. It wasn't His birthday. He didn't come on December 25th. I hope not to be breaking any bubbles today, but it wasn't. There's different schools of thought about when it was, and I'm not going to go into that because that's sermon. That's a series of sermons. But you know the people should really just sing to Santa God because that's really what they're celebrating. Do you know that the founder of the Church of Satan had this to say about celebrating birthdays? It's the highest of all holidays in the satanic religion, the date of one's own birth. And this is in direct contradiction to the holy of holy days of other religions. They acknowledge that. This was written by Antoine LaVey, the founder of the Church of Satan, 
And then he continues, thereby showing that the ego is not really buried, the Satanist feels, why not really be honest? And if you're going to create a God in your image, why not create the God as yourself? Every man's a God if he chooses to reconcile himself as one. So the Satanist celebrates his own birthday as the most important holiday of the year. After all, aren't you happier about the fact that you were born than about the birth of someone you have never met? The fact that Christ Himself never celebrated His birth and that the early church didn't should give us a clue to the fact that maybe it's not exactly scriptural. Because we had the faith delivered unto the saints, and we are to keep that faith that was delivered unto the saints. But somehow we veered. I heard a, a, a great speaker one time say, he was asking uh, someone who went to the moon, an astronaut. He said, well, how did you guys, like, like how did you figure out how to get from there to there? He said, both things are moving. You know, how? He said, we had to readjust continually. We had to recalibrate things continually. Now, with computers, it's probably less difficult. And Antoine LaVey goes on. He calls this the greatest of all worlds, which we know it isn't. Despite the fact that some of us may not have been wanted, or at least were not particularly planned, we're glad, even if no one else is, that we're here. You should give yourself a pat on the back. Buy yourself whatever you want. Treat yourself like a king or a god that you are, and generally celebrate your birthday with as much pomp and ceremony as possible. That's what the church of Satan believes. Does the church of Christ believe that? Does Christ's family believe that? If so, then we've been deluded. We've been tricked. We've been lied to. Our attention has been turned off of Christ, the Messiah, and onto ourselves. And everything's I. I have an iPhone, an iPad, and you name all the I's, the I me's. We have Christian songs that celebrate I me. And we're starting to figure that out, and we're saying, you know what, we're not going there. It's not going to be about me. It's not going to be about I. The one hymn that we sang today was an actual hymn out of the hymn books that we own right here in this congregation. It came out. It has a comment in there about me. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes will be saved. He loved the world. That includes us, but it's not about us, and we've got to get that straight. We have records in the Bible, the accounts of the first coming of God's anointed one. God promised to send him, and he delivered. We can study those. We can learn how that happened. And it took time. It didn't happen immediately. It wasn't instant, like so much of our lives are. All scriptures given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. This is what's written. For whatever things or whatsoever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. The accounts of Christ's first coming are preserved for our instruction. And so, Terry, would you help me make sure everybody gets one of these? I've taken the liberty of putting, at least as best as I can determine, the Scriptures that relate the first coming of Christ, not the prophecies that foretold it, but the Scriptures. If you read them in that order, you get the chronological order of events as they occurred. And one of the things that's really confused a lot of people is when you see these scenes, these uh, whatever they're called, creches, 
they always have the three wise guys, and they have, you know, everybody standing around and admiring the baby. Their three wise guys didn't show up for a couple of years. That's biblical. They didn't get there till he was two years old or older. Because we know that by the fact that the king ordered all the children that were about two years and under killed because that's the time that the star appeared. So you need to know the truth so that you can share it with others. And I'm not saying don't participate at all. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying the Spirit of God will guide you in how you participate. And one of those things is knowing what the Word of God says about the first coming. We've all been given some bit or piece each year. You know, I've, I've looked at, uh, there's, a, there's a, uh, um, a thing called the lectionary, and it provides scriptural references for three different years, okay? And each year it provides uh, scriptures that talk about the birth of Christ, the first coming. But it doesn't give all of what you have now on these little slips of paper there before you. It doesn't give you the whole chronological order. And so you might get, you might in three years get them all. I'm not sure because I haven't looked. Year A, year B, year C. But now you have it. And so I would challenge you to read those Scriptures in the order that they're there to see the flow of how things happen. So you get the bigger picture beyond the manger scene. If we're going to participate in the rituals and customs of Christmas, then I believe we have to share the biblical record of Christ's coming. We need to know the truth, folks, because it's the truth that sets us free. And what does it set us free from? It sets us free from sin. It sets us free from error. It sets us free from delusion. Not only that, we need to also share the fact that He promised to return to gather His loved ones home. And there's a hymn that we sing, there's no dark va- there will be no dark valley when Jesus comes. There'll be no dark valley. I thought I'd sing it, but time doesn't permit. I get the giving part of this season. I get the giving part, but I I wonder if we're not teaching covetousness. I wonder. I'm not saying we do. I'm wondering, okay? I question everything. I must. I have to question everything because if I'm going to present the truth to you, I need to know what it is. And so as I go through this time of year, every year it's a struggle for me because I do not want to offend people, but I have to bring the truth. Are we feeding the hungry or are we only feeding ourselves with these feasts that we have? I wonder. Now, I I did tell you, I'd reveal a secret to you earlier. I don't believe in... The guy with the red suit. We kids say, I want to offend. That's right. I've committed my belief to Christ. And I know he's coming back because it is written. Now, the enemy of souls doesn't want you to believe he's coming back. He most certainly doesn't want you to believe that you have anything to be concerned about, that you should pay attention to the signs. But there are signs. 
We know when he comes back, he's not going to say, ho, ho, ho. But he might say, go, go, go. I never knew you. And his scripture says that. He's going to thresh the wheat from the chaff. Isn't that what John the Baptist said? He's going to send this chaff into the fire that never ends. That's what John preached at that time. And as I wrap this up, I'm going to tell you like I tell everybody, I look forward to the coming of Christ. And I want you to look forward. Look to the sky. Take some time, maybe at first just weekly, and spend five minutes looking at the sky. Turn the television off if you have one, and look at the sky. Just look. Because one day He's going to show up, and when He does, there's not going to be any dark valleys. The whole world's going to know that He's come, because that's what the Word says. Do you know that so-called Bethlehem star is going to appear again in the sky this year? As I was telling the children, within an hour after sunset on Monday, December 21st, right in the general area of the sunset, if you make a fist with your hand and you put the fist at the, at the horizon and you look up top, that's where Jupiter will be. Jupiter and Saturn are going to do this thing called converging, and because of that, the light is going to be intensified. You're going to get to see what people haven't seen for 800 years or so. 400, 1623 is whenever it last occurred, but it was because it was so close to the sun, it wasn't easily seen. So many people, or maybe most, didn't. There's not a lot of records about it. So the thought is that it's been about 800 years since it might have been seen by everyone. Now, Christ isn't returning as a baby in the manger, folks. You know that, right? You get that. He's coming as King of kings. He's coming for a spotless bride. Now, we covered that in a message a few weeks ago, spotless. There's not to be any idolatry. We are not to be turning our hearts toward anyone or anything other than Him. Are we doing the things that have shown that we've turned from sin? Are we bearing fruits worthy of repentance as John the Baptist proclaimed to those who came out to be baptized by him? Heed the words of Isaiah. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for Yah the Lord is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And in that day, you will say, Praise the Lord, call upon His name, declare His deeds among the peoples, make mention that His name is exalted. That's in Isaiah chapter 1. Let's remember, keyword, remember the first coming of our Savior, and proclaim it. This happened. It's real. God promised. God fulfilled that promise. Let's proclaim His first coming. Let's praise God among the people. Show a gentle attitude toward everyone, even the people that don't agree with us, whether they don't agree with the fact that, of, of our faith or if they don't agree that we shouldn't Dare I say, celebrate, but remember, recall, and proclaim. Let's rejoice in His return, and let's proclaim His promise to return. 
so that everyone gets that message. The Lord's coming soon, but He's not coming on our terms. We don't get to set the terms, folks. He does. And no one knows the day nor the hour, not even the Son, only the Father. That's what's written, at least. But hear what's written in Philippians chapter 4, be anxious for nothing. That's hard for me. I struggle with that one, folks. And, and we've got a lot of reason, but be anxious for nothing, it's written. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus until He returns. That's implied there. And that's the most precious gift that we can receive. And I believe we need to give that to our children. And we need to share that gift with others, especially during this holy season. Give them the Word of God. Give them the hope. Give them that hope that sustains you. Give them that message of the first coming. He was foretold, and He came. And give the message of the second coming. He was foretold. He promised that He was coming back. And He gave signs, many signs of what we would see, and one of them is signs in the heavens. Now, we can't say that this uh, Bethlehem star or Christmas star, as it's often called, is one of those signs. But personally, I think it's a pretty nice one that we can see. And so maybe just take the time. Look for the sunset. Look for the time of the sunset. I haven't yet or I would have given it to you on the 21st of December. And you'll see something that people haven't seen in 800 years. And that, to me, is worth spending some time on. And praise God when you do. Praise God that on that night when our Messiah, the Savior, the one we call Jesus, Yahashua, Yeshua as some call Him, when He came, there was a great light in the heavens that drew attention, that brought people from far lands who were bearing gifts, proclaiming to others that this great King had arrived. And let's be those who proclaim the King of kings, the Lord of lords, to all that we encounter and draw them out of the darkness and into the light of His salvation. And with that, I'll say, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You. You alone are holy, and yet You draw us, and Your Word tells us to be holy as You are holy. Enable us and empower us, Lord, to break free from the, the fetters of sin, to break free from anything idolatrous in our lives, to break free from the traditions and, and commandments of men. Help us, God. We want to be free. We want to be free. Lord God, help us that we would be able to proclaim the first coming of Christ and also His second coming. And with this, I pray in Christ's name and all of God's people said,
Amen. All right. And I suppose we'll receive an offering. If I can have some helpers, maybe uh, Sean, would you be willing to give a hand today? <clears throat> Sorry. Hmm? The sun set, according to Terry, he looked it up, is at 4.54 p.m. on December 21st. So get out there about quarter after, quarter to five, I guess, yeah, 4.45. All right. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would guide us in our giving, that it would be sufficient to meet the needs here and beyond. We pray and trust and believe. God, guide us. Guide each of us, Lord, that we would give as you purpose for us to give. And we pray this again in Christ's name and all of God's people said. Amen. Yours truly is a volunteer here, so nothing that you give unless you designate it for myself, is, it doesn't come to me. So you can rest assured if you're not willing to support this preacher, then you don't have to. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hmm? 54. 4.54, right. So if we got out there at 4.45, we'd be sure to catch it, right. Oh, and I had another praise, too. I want to praise God for Tony, who puts up with me, not sending her stuff to the last minute. Thank you, Tony. And I praise God that she's able to do what she does to keep everything up on that screen. Father, we thank you for the gifts, the tithes, the offerings that have been brought forth. We ask for your blessing on both the gifts and the givers, Lord. We trust that these will be sufficient to meet the needs here and beyond. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen.